From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. So it, of course, is daylight savings time. So on Sunday, you got to work 25 hours. Uh, were, you, were, you more, <laughs> were you more productive? I actually watched football. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. What'd and you the watch? Eagles won. Eagles won. It wasn't pretty. Got a little <laughs> yeah, dicey yeah. there for half of a second, but yeah, we're looking pretty good. Seven and one, I think. Is that the is eight that and one? Eight and one. Eight yeah, and one. Yeah. Nice. Very yeah, nice. So a lot of really well. a lot of excitement in the city. I also start. woke up early and watched the Miami game, which was Did in okay. Germany, which is pretty interesting, interesting. for the NFL that right. they're trying to bring up. You know, yeah. European. Yes, make the the brand play. make it global. Make yeah. it you know bring in more audiences. Yeah. It's very interesting that they're doing that. Yeah. Interesting. And very it would have cool. been way better if the Dolphins won. But the Kansas City. Chiefs oh dear. won, even yes. without Taylor. I even think. without Taylor and the <laughs> Legion of Swifties, ladies and germs. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Very, very so cool So today we're going to play our... <gasps> Hit or miss. And so we love this segment, Barbara, because what we do is we bring up topics and issues that we've found out about either in the news or in our research or other sorts of ideas that come up. And we try to identify it amongst a crack team of ourselves, whether or not it's a good thing that's happening in the news, which we call a hit, or whether or not it's a bad thing that is happening in the news for that specific topic that we call a miss. And of course, we have to call the segment. So who better to play this game nice. than our great friend yes. Peter Adams, who's a senior reporter of Marketing Dive. Yes. And he writes all sorts of hit articles yes. about some misses. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but before we get to your articles, Peter, let's talk about one of them that I know Americus was asked to comment on an, in Time Magazine. That's correct. And I think part of what motivated the story was this recent poll that came out. Yeah. Um, I think it was by Nielsen or something. I forget who ran the poll. Yeah. But it's showing that a majority of Consumers now yeah. are preferring that brands not take political stance, yeah, and that's a change. Yes. It used to be the majority of people thought that the politicians were messing things up, yes. and we needed the business people to come out yes. and really take a stand and make a difference in yeah. America and in the world at large. 100%. And I guess they're deciding maybe the brands are just as messed up as the yeah. politicians. It's super interesting. I think you're, I also saw another data point, Barbara, where there was a manipulation of they asked this question privately or publicly and mm. what they found was i'll share that with you later on but they found the actual data point uh the graphic but what they found was it gets even more extreme when it's private so oh. there's a little bit of like desirability in public you'll kind of say you'll be willing to say brands should do this but when you're uh. asked privately you say no actually i don't want to see brands doing this yeah that's really yeah. interesting yeah, yeah. so like what i'm trying to figure out is if a hit or a miss when a brand does it. Now, clearly, yeah. we know, like, when they do it wrong, it's a miss. Yeah. That, Bud that, Light's a miss. Yeah, right. <laughs> we can that agree on we that. we can all agree on. Yep. But at this point, um, what's your opinion? And I read a little bit about what you wrote okay. in Time Magazine, so uh, I, or what you were yeah. quoted as saying, so yeah. I kind of know your opinion. So let's put Peter on the spot. Let's put Peter on the spot. Yes, Peter, <laughs> you're say, on the spot, sir. Peter, uh, what do you think about <laughs> yeah. brands taking a stand in this new poll that's saying consumers are maybe a little yeah. bit tired of it? Yeah. What, do you Have you thought about this issue? Yeah, it's actually been one of the big things our team has been thinking about as we head toward – uh, the end of the year and start thinking about 2024, what the big trends will be in marketing. 
And as you guys kind of referenced, you know, for many years, uh, this idea of brand activism or uh, purpose-driven marketing, mm-hmm. uh, doing well by doing good uh, was seen as the right thing to do. And there's all sorts of studies that you can read, you know, the Edelman Trust Barometer being one of them about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, consumer trust in institutions slipping uh, and uh, increasingly people looking more to brands uh, to, to lead these changes. And yeah, this year has definitely felt like a, a turning point for that where, um, you know, what the underlying cause of it is, I don't know, other than that, everything has become so politicized mm-hmm. and the economy has gotten so much worse for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are struggling oh, just to make ends moderator. meet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're yeah. struggling to get groceries and a grocery company is putting out an ad that's about, you know, something that's maybe not their core business or yep. not delivering on value. I think it might resonate less. I also think part of the backlash to it probably just stems from the volume of this stuff that's happened, <laughs> including from companies that don't really, um, yeah. you know, have the right or have the established history yeah. to be able to mm-hmm. play in some of these spaces. So when every company is doing this uh, type of activism, it does become, I think, a little tiresome to people and they would just prefer yep. everything you know in the macro sense everything being so politicized they prefer brands just stay out stay of yeah out. you know that's for, a generalization yeah. get a good idea everybody copies it's no longer a good idea yeah. but yeah. Marcus, you voice an opinion okay. where you think in some cases it might make sense still right i think so in some cases i think to your point barbara really knowing who your core customer is and if your core customer demands that demands that your values be clear and transparent and articulated then it's probably something you should do I think you also made the point last time that, you know, there's a category, product category uh, effect as well, where there's some categories where it's like, look, I want my beer, I want my X, I want my razors, I want my this. I don't really want you, you know, lecturing me about political ideology. So there's a lot of very complicated nuances there. I will say this. I think it's interesting because I think there is a general perception that a lot of people think that that there's been an, uh, uh, a, a sort of overflow of like brands that are like super liberal in their political ideology. So one of the things we talked about in the Time article was this back sort of counter response to the anti-woke brands Mm. that are basically this company called Public Square, which is now basically sort of like giving a platform for all the brands who want to be the patriotic brands, the the oh. right wing, you know, conservative Christian brands. Now they're going to con- they're going to basically uh, aggregate on this website, and if you want those brands, now you can go to those brands. So it's really interesting because I, but it's the, so so there's that sort of balance. But your point is this, I think, is what I'm hearing is that at some point there's going to be a sort of anti-brand brand, sort of like agnostic brand, like we don't want any of that <laughs> yeah. discussed at any point, yeah. right? And that. That's yeah. going to be a brand of like yeah. the no political and ideology. We, we already were there once with we brandless were, we or whatever. Were brandless, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but everybody's doing branding everybody's well. Nobody doing, does it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a really good point, Barbara. So like it's, once it's yeah. once it's become saturated, it just loses its meaning. Yeah, right? it kind of loses yeah. it. Unless people can do some creative things, creative. and we have some creative campaigns, Peter, that yeah. you've been writing about. I kind of wanted to focus in on the Doritos one. I Doritos. know you recently wrote about the Doritos campaign where. They um, were de- devising some crunch cancellation tech for gamers. I thought that was particularly wow. interesting because uh, Doritos is free to lay, I think, and they have always been really hip with co-creation and bringing their customers in. And I can you explain how this works? And maybe you know a little bit about like the core audience they're going after the gamers. 
Yeah, so I'm sure you know the you know the the prevalence of noise canceling headphones uh, has grown in recent years. I think a lot of people have been accustomed to uh, getting these headphones that can help you stay productive uh, when you're in the office or commuting or whatever. So Doritos is basically taking a similar concept, but um, you know specifically canceling out the noises you hear when you crunch on it's uh chips so we could be talking right now and i could be eating doritos and you would hear everything i'm saying except for uh, me <laughs> snacking which <laughs> understandable a lot of people don't like listening to other people eat and in terms of this specific technology that the company has developed with help from uh, uh, uh an outside partner an engineering firm uh you know it's targeted specifically at gamers so the idea that you're playing online with friends and you're in the oh, middle of a session and then suddenly one of your teammates is just loudly snacking into the microphone, you can hit a button and it'll get rid of all those noises. Yeah. Uh, so that is like the uh, the way wow. they've taken this technology and tried to make it. And I sort of personally precise, think it's a huge yeah. hit. It's so clever <laughs> because clever. what I like about it uh -huh. is it differentiates to yeah. the point that we were saying. It's not at all political, but it is right. addressing and segmenting a core, right. a core segment they obviously want. Um, to be continue to eat their chips. Yes. And what I like about it is that it's inadvertently or like backhanded way saying how good the chips are yeah. because they're so oh, crunchy. that's interesting. You know, like, yeah, yeah. so what's a good thing about chips? The good thing about chips is yeah. they're crunchy. But like yeah. Peter's saying, who wants to hear other people eat? Yeah. Especially when you're focusing on your game. Interesting. So what I, I just love it because it has the tech in there. It has the attribute of the chip that's positive and then it's really targeting a core customer that I think will get a kick out of it. Yeah. So I see it as a hit. I think I agree with you, Barbara. I think I see it as a hit as well. Although it would be very interesting if that somehow, if loud crunching could be like part of the you know like that that's part of the game like can you can you play the game when there's all kinds of noise around you i mean that might be kind of interesting as well but i love the idea to say you know we're going to be we're going to create this i mean the gamer gamer the gamer segment is such a massively important segment i think right now and a lot of brands are trying to focus on them right peter but some of them are are not as good as really tapping into some sort of that nuance that dna of this segment is that what you're finding as well peter yeah, this seems to be like responding to a real um, annoyance. You know, the, the company put together some surveys to the effect of, you know, they asked a bunch of people who play video games, do you find people eating while you're playing annoying? And uh, maybe unsurprisingly, a lot of people said, yeah, that affects when I'm, when I'm able to play. Um, but yeah, uh, also, like you said, you know, the, the idea of uh, going beyond, you know, purely age-based or, or demographic-based marketing, this idea of gamers as an enthusiast group, as a cohort. I think last time I was on the show, we talked about that Heineken gaming PC yeah. that doubles yeah. as a beer yeah. fridge. Wow. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, the, the it definitely feels like they're uh, these companies are ramping up their efforts to really appeal to that niche because that is also a, a group of people that doesn't spend as much time watching ad-supported channels. They're mm -hmm. too busy mm -hmm. uh, playing Fortnite or what have you. Uh, and that, yeah, uh, so it definitely feels like a savvy strategy. And it seems to me end. like in the history of like old Burger King ads or something like that, it's like a, with a wink. It's clever. Yeah. You know, it's, a yeah. little, it's not, it, it's hitting on something, but in a very clever way and using tech in yeah. a clever way. Very clever, uh, yeah, yeah. And not just kind of saying, well, here's a fancy new tool. Let's just yeah. try to do something. They're doing something with it a little bit more... more innovative. Yeah, innovative. Yeah, totally. And I think I think I, I do think consumers reward people for innovation in advertising or in promotion or something Most like that. Most mm definitely. -hmm. So another thing that you wrote about, um, Peter, 
that's in the news a lot. And it's not what you wrote about, but the company's in the news a lot because of all the antitrust stuff that's going on. It's Amazon. Mm. So Amazon is being litigated, you know, by the FTC, whether or not they're anti-competitive. And mm. there's a lot. Apparently, the head of the FTC, I forget what her first name is, but I remember her last name is Khan. Mm. Guess why I remember that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and yeah. she is really thinking about different ways to kind of get at Amazon for anti-competitive behavior. Gotcha. Uh, um, and so there's a lot of discussion about what Amazon's doing, and and a lot of a, a lot in DC they're talking about Amazon. And who knows what'll ever come out of that? Mm-hmm. But you wrote about a story that's a little bit different, um, but it's kind of related to a lot of the things people question about Amazon. It has to do with their retail media and some kind of defect ads that they had. Can and this is a little more confusing story? So mm-hmm. can you explain this one? Mm-hmm. It's a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, like you kind of teed up, you know, uh, the FTC is this big antitrust lawsuit against Amazon, and a lot of it has been focused on, you know, their dominance in e-commerce and and that type of thing. But you know, one of the sort of dark horse aspects of their business is their advertising. They have one of the fastest growing digital advertising businesses. They've mm. slowly kind of crept up to form a, a kind of triopoly with uh, Google and Facebook. They're mm. still much smaller than those two. But if they continue on their current path, that won't be the case for long. Mm. Um, and so a portion of this antitrust lawsuit is really interesting in, um, you know, basically alleging that the way Amazon has been able to grow its ad business this quickly is they've basically uh, saying they've had no quality control isn't really correct. But they, they've welcomed ads that are irrelevant. Uh, they've known that they're irrelevant and they've. Uh, run them anyway, which is what this lawsuit alleges. Mm. Uh, so, so basically, in their system, they said, "Hey, this is a." They call it a defect ad. Mm. Basically, if you looked up an example highlighted in the lawsuit, if you looked up water bottles, one of the sponsored ad placements for water bottles would surface really bizarre things. Uh, a, a, an example cited in the lawsuit was uh, buck urine. So, just totally <laughs> wow. irrelevant. Wait, and, whoa! And, and, <laughs> that was not on my who, bingo card, my friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Holy so not, moly! <laughs> not even like soda or anything. Something totally <laughs> off base. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. But but the lawsuit alleges that the people inside Amazon did the calculations and they said, "Well, we could do this and deprecate the user experience, and it still won't hurt revenue." Oh, and okay. Assuming that. That this antitrust suit is correct, you know mm. that the the facts of the case are true. Uh-huh. That has been the correct thesis. I mean, Amazon's ad business has exploded, uh-huh. but it really kind of calls into question, you know, um, how above board, you know, their ad practices are, and what's been sacrificed on the consumer end. As the consumer experience on Amazon been that much worse as they try to make advertising a bigger growth driver for their business. Interesting. So, but Peter, why, I'm going to make sure I understand this. Why would they put, some, why would they put something totally irrelevant? Is I thought that was, an, that sort of thing antithetical to the, the, the entire argument of, you know, customer delight, all that kind of stuff, at least for the people that are on, on the platform. So what, what's the point of, of actually doing this, putting in a defect, you called it a defect ad. What's the, what's the, the logic of why you would do that if you're Amazon? Because uh, they can attract more ad spend, I guess. I mean, if, oh, if you I just see. welcome, welcome I see. all comers and it doesn't. I see. I um, see. I see. And, and, you know, the I don't know the exact portion of their ad business that is made up of this. I mean, mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. clear, Amazon is a huge ad business and a lot of it is, you know, very legitimate, big That's CPG brands. Yep. It's the biggest e-commerce platform. Yep, yep. I think the idea is that there's just there was a known flaw in the system. 
and Amazon just kind of let stuff slip through gotcha. the cracks uh-huh, because uh-huh. the idea was maximizing revenue at all costs. I see. I see. Um, and the FTC lawsuit alleges that their ad auctioning system even built in uh, like a form factor that was like cost of defect is oh, factored into this I advertising really auction. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so it's less that the platform is maybe just totally overrun with irrelevant ads and more that there is a portion of their total advertising that is just they knew it was irrelevant and they let it happen anyway because it could make them a little bit more money. Interesting. And, and so- Why is that illegal? I mean, if, if I'm going to choose to put out bad ads, Barbara, and I know that maybe you might be affected and you may not like it, isn't that my choice? Is I yeah, can just show you the irrelevant the stuff. What are they supposed saying? to protect the consumer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, the FTC moves to a, a world that's not about let the buyer beware, which is what you're advocating in some sense. You know, you be, pay attention. Yeah. That we're, the FTC is trying to protect the consumer. Uh, I see, I see, I see. Um, and Amazon does things that are anti-competitive. This doesn't sound necessarily anti-competitive. And I think in your article, you don't you don't really speculate as who else does it. It might be uh-huh. other people. People are, oh, might be the norm uh, in the, the yeah, yeah. I, and Peter, I don't think you take a stand on that. And like you're talking about these retail m- media networks, this is the idea that it's the retail is kind of. I think this is right. It's kind of where advertising is now being hosted mm. instead of in content magazines or in other places. Retail is now selling ad space, mm. um, and the article is basically just about Amazon. But did you get any sense of how common this is? It is is it an Amazon issue or is it a general issue? Uh, it's tough to tell at the moment. Uh, you know, the, the retailers are very guarded um, with uh, the way their advertising networks work, uh, and none of them are facing antitrust complaints So, uh, other than Amazon. But the idea basically being is that Amazon basically created this category of retail media. They were not maybe the, maybe not the first to do it, but the first to really turn using first party shopper data to sell ads to marketers into Mm -hmm. this giant substantial business. And they, from what I understand, talking to people in the industry Mm -hmm. have set the model, set the standard. Any company that's investing in this now wants to be Amazon is looking to what Amazon is doing with their advertising products. Mm -hmm. So in terms of it being a widespread problem, I think a lot of retailers have raced to stand up similar advertising businesses Mm -hmm. and it is a potential. What it, one analyst told me is that it is a potential lagging indicator that other companies maybe are doing other practices that are not so above board in the quest for this really rapid growth. The thing ah. to keep in mind about retail media is it has become one of the fastest growing categories in digital marketing in just a few years, mm-hmm. like like three or four years, really. And it's project to overtake TV spending in the next couple of and years. And it makes so, sense. It's close to the decision-making. It's close right. to the purchase-make. Right. And it's this a new is, source of yeah. revenue, particularly in food marketing, where the margins are so tight. Right. They're probably making more money or potentially more money on the retail media network in the way they used to on geography in the store, like end aisle display yeah, or slotting yeah. in Latin, and you know, you're trying to put the promotion right next to the purchase decision, right. and that's being made at the retailer. So it kind of makes sense mm. um, that this is happening. Yeah, no, I mean, like, theoretically, it is, and in many cases, it, it is, when it is done right, it is like one of the most effective forms of digital advertising. You know someone buys Oreos every week at a certain time, you can help Oreo target that message better, mm. just to use an example. The, the problem is, and this is something that the FTC is trying to get at, is like in the quest for making this thing just grow as quickly as possible, 
is the customer experience being sacrificed versus it always being that kind of quality targeted advertising? And oh, the FDC's argument is yes, and that that ultimately also hurts sellers in the long run. Yeah, oh, and this is pretty inter- this is pretty interesting because the FTC suit against Amazon is looking creatively at what's anti what's anti competitive, mm. and you know they're looking at different things, which is not the way the law has necessarily been written in the interesting, past. Interesting. So that's what's so creative about this. This woman con, <laughs> the other con, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a, yeah. do they have a sense of like what the damages might be? Is there some sort of idea yeah, I don't about know. it? Must be massive, right? It's well, how do you be... monetize that yeah, too? You right, know, right, it's right. like not clear. The, yeah. So anyway, Peter, you always write about such interesting stories always. with such a nice touch and, and and understanding of the issues. So thank you so much for joining us today. And just to remind our listeners, where can they go to keep up with you? Uh, sure. Marketingdive.com. Uh, we have a daily newsletter you can sign up for, as well as uh, weekly newsletters dedicated to uh, the mobile marketing space and the agency space. And you can follow me on LinkedIn or on X. Uh, my X handle is X at handle. Patch Adams 03. Patch Adams 03. One word. Sounds awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you very <laughs> much, Peter. We really appreciate thank you. you. That's all we have time for today. And we'd like to thank our producers, Dion Simpkins and Dan- Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And we replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at SXM Marketing. And you can follow Business Radio on SXM Business for information about all our programming. And you can also look us up at Knowledge at Wharton, where we show all our pod- podcasts from Wharton. And we're the Wharton Marketing Matters, the best of all of the ones oh, that are listed ooh, there. That sounds yeah, like a but, yeah. shots fired, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Come on now. I love it. <laughs> Thank you all for listening yep. today. We'll be back next week. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn, here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.